Welcome to London Stock Exchange's Tech IPO podcast. We'll be speaking to some of the smartest thinkers in tech and business about their journeys to this point, discussing the tough decisions made along the way, all while getting a behind-the-scenes view of the London markets. And I'm your host, Stephen Kelly, Chair of Tech Nation. And today, we're diving in with Peter Holton Mullman, the founder and chief executive of Trustpilot. Peter founded Trustpilot back in 2007, whilst he was a student and also running his own business selling cables on eBay. And in just over a decade, the company has grown into a global platform. Trustpilot hosts reviews to help consumers shop with confidence and deliver data insights to help businesses improve their customer experience. The platform is free to use, open to everyone, and built on transparency. Today, Trustpilot has amassed over 120 million consumer reviews across 529,000 websites. In March 2021, Peter and his team talked Trustpilot public on the premium segment of London Stock Exchange's main market, making Trustpilot the first Danish unicorn to list in London. The company's journey is a true success story, and it's encouraging to see yet another prospective and prosperous tech business list in London. The company's journey is a true success story, and it's encouraging to see yet another prosperous tech business list in London. This is truly an exciting time for the UK tech industry, and with a raft of new reforms to further reduce the barriers to listing due this year, it is without doubt the start of a golden decade for technology. So let's go straight away to one of our pioneers, Peter Holton Mulman, founder and chief executive of Trustpilot. Peter, an incredibly warm welcome to you today. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's good to be here with you. That's really great to hear your story now. So just tell us maybe to start off with a little bit about yourself and, and how you came up with the idea for Trustpilot. Yeah, so my name is Peter. Um, I'm uh, Danish. I live in Copenhagen. Uh, I'm uh, 39 years old. Um, came up with the idea of Trustpilot um, 15 years ago. And uh, the idea was um, partially I wanted to help my mom to get great experiences whenever she bought something online. So if mom buys a trip to France, I want her to get a great trip. If she gets getting a new kitchen, I want her to get a great kitchen. Or if she buys a digital camera, I really want it to work the first time. And uh, the other motivation I had was that I, I had my uh, an e-commerce business at the time. Uh, and, and we were just starting out and e-commerce was very new and people... A lot of people said, oh, I'll just buy it at the store or from one of the more established players. And so I needed a way to signify that I had a great customer experience and needed a way to signify that I was a trusted business. And so I turned out I could help entrepreneurs and I could help the moms and then also the dads. That's brilliant, Peter. And, uh, you know, to, to launch the company the same year that the iPhone came to market is um, incredible. Now, if we fast forward to today 
I'm really interested to see sort of at what point did you start considering an IPO, an initial public offering? And maybe just talk us through the process of how you came up with that decision and also picking your team and advisors and the board for, for the next stage. Sure. So an IPO was almost always on the table. Um, of course, not in the first, say, three or four years where it was just me and a bunch of friends from from university uh, sitting in my apartment. But when we started to raise serious um, venture capital, it was always um, thought of as a possible outcome. Uh, I think because our market is so big and, and, and that's attractive if you're IPOing because then the shareholders can see how, how it keeps growing. And then I'd say three years ago, uh, we started to, to, to really take it serious. And, and so we did a pre-IPO fundraise where, where we engaged Morgan Stanley to, to help us do that. And, and they introduced us to a lot of the IPO investors um, so that we could build a relationship. Usually it takes a lot of trust to IPO. So it helps that you've met people and you say what you're going to do and then you're going to do it and then you do it. And, and we raised some money from, from, a, from Sunley House. It's a, under Advent International and, and, and they are one of these businesses that invest in companies just before an IPO. So they have experience with, with both sides. Then um, in February... 2020, we decided to IPO. And uh, two weeks later, uh, I had shut down all my offices and sent everybody to work from home uh, and had uh, all the IPO plans <laughs> completely in the shelf again. And then it turned out that um, whilst, I mean, the pandemic was obviously a terrible thing, uh, for Trustpilot Isolated, um, it, it, it turned out to be favorable for us because the entire world moved online and the need for trust really increased. Uh, so, so luckily, we, we came out of the pandemic uh, really, really well uh, with, with, with lots more people using us than, than ever before. Um, and we could also see that the economy really rebounded, I think, faster than anyone could have anticipated. And, and so then those plans were quickly taken out of the drawer again. So I think it was six to nine months before the actual IPO, we, we really started the work. And, and then, yeah, here we are. Oh, Peter, it's a great story. And just as you say, kind of it's a, a trip on the journey. It's so true. And I know obviously lots of companies are now looking at our IPO. And so your experiences are so relevant. I think there's twice the level of capital raised uh, on the London market as there was only just two, two, three years ago in 2018. And companies like Wise and Moonpig come into the public market. So it's a, a, a real sort of, a, I guess, a bonanza time for London and uh, your insights of coming to the public markets have been really helpful. And I just quizzing myself really here um, because your Danish company from a beautiful city, Copenhagen, if anybody hasn't been there, some of the best restaurants in Europe, uh, fantastic cycling, beautiful and uh, just an amazing place and lovely people. But a Danish unicorn coming to list in London, you know, there's obviously, what, we've got 100 unicorns in the UK, which I think is more than Germany, France and Netherlands put together. But it probably it really is interesting to think about why, why you chose London. What's behind that, Peter? Yeah, so you can say we, we have started in Denmark and we also have more employees in Denmark than we have in our other offices. But I do see us more as an international business than I see us as a 
as a Danish business, the, the, the majority of our employees are, um, let's say, living not in Denmark. Uh, they're not Danes. Uh, the the Danish revenue is a fraction of the company's overall revenue, um, and so so I was really looking for what's what's the best. Um, future home for a growing international business, and of course, we'll also always have that Danish heritage and 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 some some cultural roots here, and we'll always have a big presence in Denmark. Um, but say, I almost look at it like IPO as a service. Like I'm selling Trustpilot as a service, and then I need IPO as a service. <laughs> Uh, so, so I was looking at um, a couple of different things. Uh, there's um, the country you're IPOing in. What, what's the legislation like? Uh, there's, there are various rules in various countries um, that can be, you could say, more or less beneficial for what you want to do. Um, and then there is uh, access to capital. Uh, and with the access to capital, there's also an element of... Um, are you a known entity? So typically, when you're raising money, the, the riskier your proposition is, or the more unknown your proposition is, the, the riskier it is. And, 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 and we all know there's such a thing as a risk premium. Um, and so since we, we, we have um, a very, very strong market position in, in, in the UK, and we've had, and, and, and I think for... For a very long time, and, and still after Brexit, the, the, the UK is the, the financial center of, um, of, of, of Europe. Um, so the majority of all the investors are based in the UK. Uh, and so it does help when we're having those dialogues with the investors that they have heard about us already. Um, I wasn't nearly enough of an expert on all the accounting and, 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 and the legal stuff, but it was the preferred destination for the CFO and, and, and for the legal team, and, and, and that helps. <laughs> but, but, I, but from my perspective, it was really, um, it's, it's one of our biggest markets, so it helps to be more known in that market. Uh, it's, it's, there's an enormous liquidity, um, and, 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 and the investors know who we are uh, and, and everything equal, that's an advantage. And I guess, you know, just a, a little while in, but um, so far, any kind of reflections on how it's gone and how you feel about the IPO? I think the IPO went really well. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the execution we did. And, and I already, I, I see a number of benefits for the company. Of course, um, Employees are, are, are I, think, I think we're a very mission-driven company, but also it helps that uh, employees can see what their stocks are worth. Um, and, and I think um, sometimes that could be a little bit opaque for the, for, for, for the average employee in a, in a venture-owned world because you have this cap table and you have all the liquidation preferences and, and so and isn't, your, your, your share isn't publicly traded. So, so what's the, really the value of your stock options? Of course, you can try to, to tell people, but here in this world, it's, it's extremely obvious what, what the value is. Um, and then I've really also been pleasantly surprised by the medium to long-term focus of the investors. 
I think before IPOing, I was I was somewhat nervous that it would be this. Uh, I mean, you 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 live by the quarter, and 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 it creates this short term uh, thinking. That some and 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 you're optimizing. Say say you can say for short term profits or short term revenue, uh, so that you can constantly make the market happy. And certainly, like I, I mean, I appreciate that that we now have a bunch of very impatient investors that that wants us to do good every quarter. But but when we when we IPO'd and when we positioned the company, we we really anchored it on the long term opportunity and 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 um, and on the mission and what we wanted to do. Um, and I didn't at all meet these. You can say next month obsessed people i i met some 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 very very long-term minded investors um and 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 so i was surprised by how aligned we are in terms of what i want to do with the business um that i want to build you can say a, a category defining business that i want to build a, um, a company in the right way and 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 how, how supportive the investors are of that oh that's great peter and uh, you know i've just it's refreshing to hear the long-term perspective and the alignment and and obviously you're on a mission and uh sounds like you do a fantastic job and i'm i'm a big fan personally of trust pilot big user uh and followed you for years so um got a huge respect for you but one of the things i do talk into european founders um, like yourself i guess um they're looking at uh, the ipo and and london and I'm just thinking, you know, if you're out in Berlin or Paris, well, what advice would you give those sort of folks in terms of um, both the IPO process and the timing and also um, the destination of London or other centers? I mean, I, I'd encourage everybody just to go through the motions. So like we, we created a big spreadsheet uh, comparing all the possible you can say IPO locations and, and, and scored them. And of course, at the end of the day, that scoring is a bit arbitrary. Uh, but it actually made it very easy for us. Like it, it, we, we were having a couple of other alternatives we considered, but, 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 but London was ahead with a pretty big margin for us. But I think, I think I'd, I'd encourage you to go through that, um, that exercise and, and look at it from a, there's a legal perspective. There's like, where are your shareholders? Where's your market? Uh, I, I think I think that there's a big opportunity in, in IPOing in the place where your customers are, where your users are. So I think you should consider that. And then in terms of process, just I'd say realize that there's a couple of things in it. Uh, it's a multi-year process, in my opinion. Uh, of course, technically you can IPO a business very fast, uh, but it just will be a lot better. Uh, if you spend the time to build up the relationship with the, with your future investors, and then that the the requirements for predictability of your business just increases quite a lot. Uh, the the venture investors you have are more overbearing. If you have a high variability, for example, in your revenue, or you can say huge fluctuations quarter to quarter, and 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 then the legal teams and and your financial teams needs to be quite a lot better so yeah those, those were the three elements i'd say that's amazing peter and, and just in terms of obviously trust pilot it, it is a unique asset and you, you use the words of uh, category defining and obviously a category leader and and as the um and i saw actually i think it was on a, a review where alexa says you you your website is kind of one of the top one percent in the world which 
it's a magnet um, in terms of independent review platforms. Uh, and therefore, you would have caught the attraction um, and the attention of lots of potential trade buyers. Um, and I just wonder why you chose kind of an IPO over potential uh, a trade sale. Yeah, I used to say that we were in the top 1% and, and I thought, okay, that sounds cool. And then I did the math and there are actually a couple of hundred million websites out there. Uh, and so if you're uh, in the top 1%, that means that there are, let's say, millions of websites that are ahead of you. Uh, and in our case, we're actually in the top zero, 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 zero something uh, percent because we're in the top, I think, uh, Definitely in the top 500 globally and, and in the UK, depending on the day, the top 30, the top 20. But, uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> we, we, we did also have the, the conversations with the alternative, which was the non-IPO market. And so the way I looked at that was that um, it could either be really amazing or it could be really horrible. Um, and so if, if I could find a person that, that was completely un- aligned with me uh, and, 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 and that was, um, you can say, an ethical person that would always treat me and the employees well and, and, and who were aligned with our mission, then it could actually be a pretty good outcome because then you just have to speak with one person and then you move. But effectively, it would be their company and I would just, you can say, work for that person. And, and, and then you can say, God save me if, uh, <laughs> if things went wrong. Whereas with the IPO, um, even though I have the same ownership as I had before and, and I have the same percent ownership as I would have in, in, in the trade sale, right now morally, I know that you can say if you, if you, if you look up in the contract, it, it's, it's not entirely my business. There are a lot of people who own Trustpilot now, but morally it still feels like my business. And, and, and morally it feels more like we are a management team and a, and, and a company and, and, and we are uh, the people in the company. And, and when we, you can say we call ourselves the trustees, we set a direction for the business and then the market buys into that direction. And so somehow I feel more independent by having so many shareholders than I would feel if I had just one shareholder. Yeah, it's really interesting. I love the concept of trustees. And um, I, I think all the investors would uh, certainly trust, you've used that word a lot, um, you to lead and grow the company uh, in a much wiser, and more prudent way, actually. So that's um, very encouraging. And I just think on an IPO, you obviously get into this stage. You mentioned one of them. Uh, when you look back at the three-year journey, you, you raised multiple rounds of private capital. And and how was the IPO process similar or, or different to those private rounds? It's similar in the preparation, in the sense that you build your financial model, you build your investor pitches. Where it's very different is that when you're taking money from for example, venture capital or private equity, they typically invest in far fewer companies. And the venture guys can afford to make mistakes. And it's like one of 10 businesses that, that, that needs to be a hit. But the private equities, can, they, they can't really afford to make a mistake. And so that means that there's an enormous due diligence in it. And, and you typically speak with a, with a few investors and they go extremely deep. When you then speak with the IPO investors, um, they are... Um, investing so large quantities of money that for them it's just unrealistic to dedicate as much time as as the private equity people to to you, and so that means that your 
your pitch, the way you tell the story, your investment case needs to be of an extreme quality. Like with the private equity people and the venture people, that's also important. But you can get to know them and maybe they'll give you a second chance. And, and, and it's a three-month uh, relationship you're building up with them where they'll to interview you for and, and, and interview lots of people in your business and so on. The, the IPO pitch is really 45 minutes probably. And, and then you meet them for a follow-up with questions and then potentially last follow-up with questions and that's it and and then it's not like that they're only spending you can say 180 minutes on on the investment they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes but your your time with them is very short so you're giving the same pitch probably 200 times so the day would be like get up at nine 45 minute pitch 15 minute break 45 minute pitch 15 minute break and it would be like that for eight nine days uh, and at the end of it, like I have to say, that pitch becomes really good. <laughs> um, and and then you have a, but but also your 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 mind, you you become a little bit crazy by it, uh, and 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 you get really tired of your own jokes, and even more tired of the jokes your CFO is making. Um, and then two three months later, you do the same again. Only this time, you adjust it based on how it went last time, and and you're really doing a lot of back and forth with the banks in the meanwhile. And then, again, a week to 10 days, nonstop pitches, two, three-month break. Uh, you adjust, you come back, boom, you go for it again. And then that's it. That's amazing, Peter. So on those relentless kind of 45-minute sprints over and over and over again doing the pitch, um, what was, if there was one, any question any investor asked that kind of made you really, really, really think? No, you are so over-prepared and and you have drilled it so many times with the banks and with your own investors. So 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 it's more like rehearsed movie jujitsu, where you know exactly which questions you're going to get, uh, and you know exactly how you're going to answer them, and everything is just drilled into you mercilessly. Uh, that's what uh, you can say J.P. Morgan and, and, and Morgan Stanley uh, did for us. Like, why is your TAM so big? Okay, boom, boom, boom. Like, what's your go-to-market strategy in America? Boom, boom, boom. And, and, and also that's, that's because of the nature of the meetings. Because they are so short, the investors will typically go through the same 10, 15 things. Uh, and, and, and they tend to care about the same things also. That's amazing. And, um, it, you know, in terms of it sounds like the preparation you did was exceptional and almost like military precision. But if there's kind of one thing from the whole process of um, the IPO, the, you know, the one big takeaway you'd give to other founders considering an IPO as part of their growth journey, what, what, what would that be, Peter? I think I was actually more scared of it than I should have been. I think I underestimated the actual IPOing. That that was actually tougher than I than I thought it was. And 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 to anybody going through this process, like book a four week holiday the day you IPO. Like just go. Like the business will be fine, but you won't. Uh, you're tired. Uh, you're game over. Uh, you're done. Uh, so just get out. Go somewhere nice. Uh, but 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 if you have a strong uh, CFO, if you have a strong, um, say, chief legal, if, if, if your business has built up the processes, um, I'd be a lot less concerned about all these like, oh, there's so much bureaucracy. Oh, there's so many things you can't say. Oh, you have so many short-term and that like my life is more or less the same. 
in, in, in the post-IPO world. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought those rumors were greatly, uh, you can say, exaggerated. So if, if it's kind of more or less the same, then um, apart from the access to capital, what, what's the IPO-enabled trust pilot to do? Yeah, so, so one is you instantly get a much bigger brand because people talk about you. And people have always talked about Trustpilot because people are asking, for example, should I buy from this company? Uh, and then people respond on, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on a forum, anywhere. Um, journalists are writing about Trustpilot. They're writing about the businesses on Trustpilot. So, so it's not like there was never a conversation about Trustpilot, but now there's, there's an additional conversation, which is that how's the stock going to perform? What's our market and so on. And, and I, think, I think in this day and age where you can say you get a little bit of attention and then Justin Bieber gets arrested and then you're back to nothing, um, I, th- I think all attention helps. Um, and then it adds a credibility to your brand uh, because there is a ton of scrutiny and people know that. Uh, and and so so the seriousness of of a listed company and the requirements for you can say you running everything in a proper way are just so much bigger than than than, than for a non-listed company. Uh, and so we certainly see that that um, that we're now being considered uh, a more serious, a more trusted uh, entity. And again, in in in, in I mean, I. I I think uh, a lack of trust, and in particular, lack of trust in in in, in the online world, and 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 the a lack of trust in the entities in that online world is one of the most defining say, issues of our time. Uh, so, I mean, who cannot benefit from from more trust? That's you can say also in in, in a nutshell, the, the value we're providing to the market. But an IPO helps there, um, and then there's the um because of that brand halo because of the thing i mentioned earlier where the um the value of your stock becomes so much more um clear uh because you're now seen as a serious entity and 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 people can say oh what can this become um i find it's easier to attract the kind of people who are good at at building and scaling large businesses. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, I think you really speak so eloquently around trust as, I guess, the new gold of uh, the internet and uh, Trustpilot stand very tall on that. So looking forwards, um, Peter, you know, um, what's what's the next big thing for Trustpilot? Oh, yeah. So that's uh, one of the things where actually being a listed company is, is now we're entering some tricky waters because what should I say here that I haven't already said to the market and, and, uh, and, and, and so on. Uh, so, so I cannot reveal, you can say any, you can say next big thing, but what I can say is that what we want to be is the most trusted uh, and so we're, we're constantly trying to invest into getting ever better at, say, detecting fake reviews, ensuring the integrity of the content, uh, ensuring that it's the businesses that really care about their customers uh, and that that is the businesses that are really engaging with their customers um, that 
um, that, that we can really show that to uh, to their potential customers. And then it's about um, you can say really keep growing in the markets we're in uh, and, and keep adding new services um, and then eventually uh, over time expand into new markets also. I find this is a very human problem in the sense that people in you can say one side of the world will care as much about this as people on the other side of the world and so will businesses. And just um, sort of one final question. You've talked about um, trust and that's the essence I guess of the whole business model and the integrity and you talked about a mission-driven business which I absolutely applaud. So how, how from an employee point of view, um, someone who works in your team, how would they describe the culture at um, Trustpilot? Oh, we have a funny culture because it's it's such a, you can say, a mix. Like if, if we were a dog, we'd have dots and stripes and a long tail and a short nose and, and, and so on. So, but, but so, so we have elements of Scandinavian startup culture. So that's very meritocratic and um, extremely egalitarian and in some sense you can say consensus driven and then we have elements of the the more uk and us hey uh, yeah let, let, let's take over the world um uh, let's move uh you do this you do that and 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 sometimes they clash a little bit like like the the scandies will will sit and like say uh oh but uh, did we really decide that and i wasn't heard and we need to discuss that and uh, the you say the americans will say like oh but like like we decided that a long time ago like like uh we need to move uh but i find somewhere in the middle uh the outcome is really good uh you can say decisions that there's a reasonable amount of buy-in for and then um, if there's one thing we've done well is, is we, we have we've hired very nice people uh, that care about being at the business and that care about each other. And I think ultimately that's actually one of the more lasting values and also something that, that really equates to my happiness is that, of course, I care about the stock price, but the stock price will go up and down. And, 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 and of course, I care about the performance of the business, and that'll go up and down also. My real happiness has much more to do with how do we work together as a team? Do we like each other? Do I care about what we do and why we do it? Because if that works, all kinds of bad things can happen, and you're still fine. And, and, and that's something I think we do really well. We care. Peter, it's fascinating, your story and the Trustpilot story, but just have a bit of personality about yourself um, with a, a quick fire round of just kind of questions to, to give uh, people and the audience uh, a view. So what do you like doing, the first one, when you're not running a public company? Yeah, it was funny. I was thinking, I was like pancakes. I love making pancakes. Uh, I, I, I like cooking. I like having people over for dinner. And that's probably what I miss the most in the pandemic, actually, is um, seeing good friends and, 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 and eating good food with them. That's a great thing to do. We'll all, we'll all come around to Copenhagen for the pancakes. That sounds good. Um, uh, and what's, what's the best book that you've read during the pandemic? Uh, I've reread a book called Shantaram, which is a bit of an old book about this Australian criminal that ends up in Mumbai and just starts all over there and, and finds love and wisdom 
And, and I think there's so much uh, soul in that book that anybody who's curious about life should read it. That's a great recommendation. And um, another question, apart from pancakes, what's your favorite food? Oh, it's the type of food that your grandparents like. Uh, so anything that can come in an oven for a long time or anything that can, uh, you can say, just uh, be on the stove for a couple of hours. Uh, I, I, I like the taste of that typically. Slow food. I love slow food. And um, you, you, the advice you gave uh, any founders doing an IPO is to take some holiday, which uh, four weeks would be good. So if you did that for yourself, where would your favorite holiday destination be? So at the moment, there, there are two places I really miss. Like the one is just the entire Southeast Asia region. I, I, I really, you can say, miss that feeling of, uh, you can say, riding in a tuk-tuk uh, or, uh, or, or on a scooter and flip-flops and a helmet. And, and next to you, there's a cart with some donkeys on it. Uh, and, and the colors are more vibrant than anywhere else. And the people are so nice and, and it's beautiful. Um, and then I miss northern Norway, uh, areas like Lofoten, where the sun doesn't really set, even if it's two uh, at night. And, and, and there's something about the softness of the light when it passes through so much atmosphere and air that, that you can say have fascinated painters for good reasons. That sounds beautiful. And a kind of final question. If, if you could have coffee with just one person, uh, alive or dead, who would that person be? I think it would be my my my, um, my late grandfather. I really miss him, um, and so uh, if 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 I could pick one person, I'd take him over. You can say Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Barack Obama and so on. Like I'm not sure what I would speak with them about in any event. Uh, so grandfather would be nice. And what's what's your one abiding memory of your grandfather? Um, infinite trust and always talking to me as an adult, even if I'm five years old, but yet knowing when to treat me as a child, when I was a child. That's a very beautiful way to end, Peter. Um, what a joy to hear your story and the journey of Trustpilot and just bring out the personality of what a brilliant company you've built, the culture, and to really embody that trust and integrity in uh, you know strange times, particularly with the pandemic and the explosion of the online world. So thanks very much. Any, any sort of um, closing comments for the listeners out there today? I've really enjoyed the conversation. As you say, we live in interesting times. Uh, I remember growing up in the 90s and just thinking, oh, we're just all going to be more democratic, richer. Uh, everything will just be better, in particular with technology. Uh, now I think the future is going to be more interesting than any of us can imagine, both good and bad. And so it's um, up to us to uh, fix that. Brilliant, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. I'm a big fan. I'm sure everybody out there of Trustpilot and what you've built is a really special, magical company. And we wish you all the best for the future of growth, success, and kind of being, being the holder of the flame for integrity on the internet. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed listening to Peter's story today. And this is one of a number of London Stock Exchange podcasts from inspirational leaders to talk about their journey and their company's journey 
and how their initial public offering has really propelled them forward to the next stage. But most of all, I really want to thank you out there for joining us today. And please stay tuned for the next podcast.